Hi guys, welcome back to My Steps to Sobriety, my show on YouTube and as a podcast with me, your host, Stefan Neff. And today is a fantastic interview because I have got uh, a woman with me who luckily has hit rock bottom because had she not been in that place, she probably would have not found the, the power within herself to change her own life and now show others to do the same for their life. In, in fact, just like me, she has learned to love her life and live her life to the fullest. And that is the most beautiful, beautiful place to be. So therefore, two peas in a pot here, as far <laughs> as our missions are, are concerned. So welcome on board to my show, Susie Pettit. Uh, it's lovely to have you on my show. Thank you. It's lovely to be here. I am thrilled. <laughs> oh, indeed, indeed. Oh, Susie, it is uh, when I when I read your website, uh, it is that immediately struck me. Uh, luckily, I have hit rock bottom, and it sounds mm -hmm. so bizarre for normal people. Um, <laughs> we are not normal because we have mm -hmm. gone through trauma. We have gone through darkness. We have gone through through times that you sometimes don't even wish your enemy. Um, yet we come out the new and improved version uh, it mm -hmm. is nearly as if you have to feel the heat and the pressure before you can become the diamond that shines and maybe brings the the light into the darkness of others and i, I think, absolutely agree and you you have been there um but i mean that is not how you wanted to be when you were a little girl what did you want to be who did you want to be when you grew up well, so when I was a little girl, I was raised in a household. I was the oldest of three daughters, and I was raised in a household where I remember being told for as long as I can remember that I should have been a boy oh. and that boys are better. And no, so my, oh, 100%. And so I was raised in this household that I wasn't good enough even to begin with. And so I constantly was striving from a very young age to be something different than I was. So to ask me what I wanted to be as a little girl, I, you know, I very much disconnected very quickly from what Susie wanted, because I was taught that what Susie wanted was wrong. And I needed to look externally because Susie's wrong in herself. So I very much was raised oh. to sort of play these roles and be the people pleaser and try to do what my dad wanted me to do. And, and it was a very interesting household where I never felt quite good enough and that women were less than men. May I ask, what did your uh, dad do? What was his profession? Oh, he was, I mean, I, I have had therapy and he very much was an insecure man. He almost failed out of college. He was, he, he got a job through his dad and he never, you know, succeeded as much as his, like he very much was insecure in himself. And thus, you know, that showed up with, my mother was an incredibly intelligent person, and I never remember him commenting on her anything about her other than her weight and in a negative manner. He was very controlling of food and what we did and that we need to be careful of how we look. So, I, you know, my my dad definitely was a hurt man and hurt men, hurt people. And so I can see how my and why my dad was the way he was. I I have learned not to take it personally. I actually my thought now is that I had the exact father and I had the exact mother to become the woman that I am today. Um, that has been some hard cognitive work to get to because I, I very much, I left, I left my, you know, home life to go to a college and I was just this, you know, from the outside, I looked 
it's like this perfect achiever, you know, the little American that is just all A's and got into the good school. And then I, as one does, fell right into a relationship <laughs> with another, you know, sort of very co- codependent, controlling male where I was not good <laughs> enough. And and yet, you know, looking back at, at that, that was my first husband. We were married for 19 years, had three beautiful sons. But looking back at that, I, I understand, you know, he married a version of me that was completely false, it, that I was so into this people pleasing role and trying to be what other people wanted me to be. Mm. And he married that. Yeah. And yet, you know, it wasn't until sort of midlife when I was like, what the, wait a minute, that's not me. So it, it you know, I'm very quick to not point fingers. I, as, mm. as we do, we have trauma in our childhood. And mm. then if we don't resolve it, we move into relationships that will poke at us until we do. So mm. that, that's a long answer to your question of what no. I wanted to be when I was a little no, girl. I, no, no, no. I, I can look back at when I was a little girl and see how I got to where I am now, a life coach for women. Uh, one of my friends reminded me it was just my 50th birthday. And she said, do you remember in middle school, you used to tell us to write our problems on pieces of paper and shove them in your locker and you would get back to us and give us advice. <laughs> no, So at a very young Excellent. age, I like, that was my dream. Like, let me tell you what to do people. <laughs> but I was, I didn't free myself up enough to do that, that I needed to be someone oh. different. So. Oh, amazing. Yeah. Amazing, mm-hmm. but you came straight to the to the to the point, straight where the money is, because often enough we don't realize how early and how profoundly uh, our core beliefs can get hammered and changed mm-hmm. uh, with seemingly innocent childhood trauma. So what, you know, grow up and you know it's, it's what do you think, children, you know, that kind of of that kind of. Behavior from someone else, the, the the lack of support, the lack of nurturing, these even one certain way of looking at you can be a huge trauma that mm-hmm. will forever, forever change you in your life. And it sounds so cliche, yet it is so brutally, brutally important. And I love it that you that you came straight to that and that you Well, that, I yeah. I need to interrupt and, and just say that I, I also think that you know I have I work with a lot of parents and I have yet to meet a parent that intentionally sets out to screw up their kid. You know, <laughs> it's like, I have yet to meet that parent that's like, I'm gonna screw this kid up. Like yeah. they like my father, in yeah. his lack of understanding and knowledge, yeah. was coming from a place of love. Like I I, I legit think that he thought my life would have been easier if I was a boy. And so then telling me that somehow, you know, maybe that's a little bit unskillful, Mm. but then my whole life priming me to, you know, be skinnier and be like, yeah, just fit into this mold and be more manlike and be more masculine. Like that was coming from his place of love. It wasn't coming from like, let me screw Susie up. (laughs) And yet that's what happens in childhood that we have these, these experiences that then in adulthood, we can learn to work through so that we can live a life that we love. Intriguing. Not carry that baggage through. Like I'm the adult now. When I was the mm. child, I was injured. Now I have the control mm. to sort of stand up and parent myself. Nice try. But nice try. That's all I can say. Because you were an adult at 21, 25, mm-hmm. wherever you set the boundary of, of adolescence to a childhood. Um, mm-hmm. yet 
as young adults, adults, quotation mark, um, we are just as damaged. If we're mm -hmm. actually worse because we need to make more negative experiences. We need to be pushed so far outside of our comfort zone that, that you break and that you really mm -hmm. end up rock bottom before you actually bloody realize that maybe alone you can get your shit together. So, mm -hmm. I mean, uh, you, you, you came from a childhood that was intended to be good, as you, as you said, but left scars. You went mm -hmm. into a relationship they probably added more scars and you could mm -hmm. argue self-inflicted scars because there you were, oh. you're pretending not that you intended to be a spy and live mm -hmm. as an altered persona. No, right. that is not, that is not a, an actual will. This is so deep down that you don't mm -hmm. even bloody know. So there you were, what, what changed? I mean, you've been yeah. living this lie, so to speak, you, as mm -hmm. we all do in our younger lives, uh, what changed? What was the yeah, moment well, when you realized? I had a moment. I just want to back up because I, I do think while I, you know, crossed that line of childhood to adult, whenever that is, 18 or 21, I was yeah. not an emotional adult. Correct. I was still an Beauty. emotional child. Beautifully so that's said. what I let, like, I really didn't become an emotional adult until 35, which was... I started to have little like pings and was getting very uncomfortable with the difference in how my first husband and I parented our children, yeah. but I still was very much an adult emotional childhood in that I was blaming him <laughs> and blaming my parents. You know, I was not taking responsibility for my life, but the, so I was getting these pings, yeah. but to answer your question, the, the, the really the, the downtime was I had a friend that we were living sort of parallel lives that we would get together and complain about our husbands and complain about, you know, really be in that victim mode and look at all this. And, and then she was diagnosed with cancer and I ended up being her primary, one of her primary caregivers. And unfortunately she did pass after three years, but it was a very much wake up call for me in terms of like, oh my gosh, what life am I living? Like, mm. hold on. I may not be alive till hundred. I might be alive for another year. And is this the life I want to be living? And in doing that, I, I call her my inner warrior, like W-A-R-R-I-O-R. -R -R. I have a tattoo. Actually, I got tattooed on my, my independence nice. day when I asked for divorce. <laughs> um, but that my inner warrior started to speak up. And I just feel like it was like a little tap, tap, tap from the universe. Like, hey, I'm in here. You know that little girl that was told she's not good enough. She's not right. Like she has some desires and some wants and this isn't okay. Like, let's start to look at what she might want. And from there, I had a lot of big moments, including I had 32 seizures in a weekend because I was so stressed and, you know, our mind and body are connected. Uh -huh. <laughs> And my parents, my biological parents, probably not as a big surprise, but they chose to side with my ex and fund him and, and shredded some documents. This is back in you know, 2014, so that I not everything was online when we were married in 1996. So they had the document that showed my premarital earnings. They shredded that. That was, that was almost Ooh. half a million dollars of my premarital gone. Ooh. leaving me zero with the potential of that. If I left with my kids, I, they would, they would file for, there was kidnapping. Okay. And if I left without my kids, they would file abandonment and I would give up rights to um, 
childcare. So I needed to stay in the unfinished basement for a year based on the state wow. of Virginia where I was living. And that's around when I had the seizures. <laughs> and yet I couldn't be happier today and more grateful for that experience. That wake up call. I mean, that was a reckoning. That was a reckoning. And yet there was that there was that inner warrior in me that was just like, okay, yeah. it's all right. Like you can do this. I just gave you a lot of information there. <laughs> <laughs> Can I just have a moment to actually get my jaw back up? Um, bloody hell, girl! Uh, this is this is brutal, and but then again, this is life. This is this is this is betrayal. This is trauma. This is pain, suffering. Uh, there's depression there, the anxiety that you beautifully described. Mm -hmm. But you're an overachiever. 34 seizures. Come on. Come on. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> Come on. Rookie numbers. Honestly. No, kidding, kidding. I, mean, I, I, I want to I want to come across the telephone line, give you a huge hug for crying out loud. That is, that is, these are hard times. Uh, how did you get through that? I mean, you you were you you found the inner warrior. But was there also a part of you that was so hurt that you wanted to to forget? Did did alcohol become tempting to you? Did maybe sleeping tablets or painkillers? Um, did they started to play a role in your life? Um, no, alcohol I can talk about like was sort of a role in my life up until several years ago. It's sort of this background. Um, I was using alcohol to get through social. As, like in college, like I would socially <laughs> drink because I, I thought I wasn't good enough and oh. I had such insecurity. So it's like, oh my gosh, I need to go to this party instead of realizing that I'm, I'm an introverted nature. I don't like going, you know, and, and once I, again, once I <sighs> came back to me and what do I like and what do I, I didn't have to buffer and use alcohol to get through this. And so then I was able to see more like, what is alcohol giving me? Well, alcohol mm -hmm. is giving me restless sleep. It's giving me, you know, I'm way more pissy and argumentative with my now amazing husband. It is giving me, you know, it's just giving me a lot of stuff that I actually don't want. So my drama in my head when I'm thinking, oh, this beer will taste really nice. It's actually complete nonsense. So uh -huh. alcohol for me was was sort of a uh, I almost call it like my introvert like band-aid until I was like able to claim like no I am who I am it's okay like it's fine and then Excellent. look at alcohol more really my thoughts around alcohol and recognizing calling them out for the bs that they were that it doesn't make it more fun that it doesn't make me more fun it doesn't you know any of that um, in terms of the dark moments of when I was in that unfinished basement I, I credit an inner, I do credit that inner warrior. And I also, there is a mother bear mm -hmm. in me mm -hmm. that, that I was, you know, part of what was causing the conflict between me and my then husband was how these kids were being parented. I was able to say he had a lot of rules for me. And so I was able to say, okay, he doesn't want me to wear a button down shirt, or he doesn't want me to wear you know, eyeshadow or he does like taking his rules and okay, he knows best because Susie doesn't know. But when he started to put that on my kids and it was going against my training, I actually taught school at some point in my little history there. And I had a master's of education and there was a fierceness in me that was like, oh, hell no, I'm sorry. And so while I wasn't able to do it for myself, my kids motivated me initially so that I did keep getting up every day 
you know, I'm not saying there weren't days when I was crying and shaking and, you know, I, I was on some anxiety medicine at the time, which I'm really grateful for. Um, and yet it was, it was those kids and just believing something different was possible, that this wasn't right, that this is, this is not like this marriage, seeing my friend die and, you know, seeing my parents' marriage and seeing the marriage I was in and then starting to think, is this the marriage I want for my boys? Is this what I'm modeling? Like, do I want my boys to treat their wife like this? Do I want this sort of gendered nonsense <laughs> passed down? And I didn't really know what I wanted, but I knew it wasn't this. And that was enough to sort of take that leap. When you were, when you felt that warrior rising within you, um, can you remember how it felt? Did it actually oh, give you? I'd say kind of miserable. <laughs> I mean, I, it's both and. I think there, I, I mean, I, it, that was a very dark period of my life. Mm. Every, like when I think of my worst fears coming true, I lost all my money, mm. my whole not just my parents, yeah. but my two sisters. And then my dad was a wealthy man and he uses money to sort of control people. So all of my relatives went silent. Susie's the crazy one. Susie's my ex-husband, crazy. You know, he, he which, which I can understand because he's married to this, you know, <laughs> that, I, you know, he's upset and he's sad. And, and that's sometimes what happens in divorce. But him, my in-laws, you know, tell me I'm going to rot in hell. Like everywhere I looked, so I have no money. I've been mm. a stay-at-home mom for 19 years. Mm. I, you know, my family's gone. Mm. And yet I, I got it. It's, it's that like inner guide. Yeah. Mm. I had, I mean, I lived this, this warrior state for a long time. Mm. And I finally, after, after rehab, once I stopped actually, trying to numb my pain and trying to escape mm -hmm. my reality. Once I started dealing with things, I actually went into that beautiful life that I live now. Mm -hmm. Having said that last year, something occurred that brought the warrior back out. And mm -hmm. it was the most amazing feeling. It was like a schizophrenic body shift mm -hmm. from one moment to the other I felt a warrior rising and mm. a coldness came over me but mm. also a crystal clear vision it was spooky there was no more emotion in me if, we, if I at that moment would have to kill to take the life of a man to mm. protect my family I would have happily done so that was the coldness and it lasted mm. for about a week uh the warrior mm. needed to be there to re to help me to get through that time mm -hmm. and he was there but he scared the living daylights out of me because i saw mm. now saw him without the alcohol i saw him without the the negativity without the i don't know i couldn't hide and i was mm -hmm. like a, like an out of body experience observing this guy coming up mm -hmm. he is a scary dude um i love him to bits because one day he might very well rescue my life. And mm -hmm. you need to be a warrior. You need to be there. But as you say, it, 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 they come out at various times in our lives. And these times are not good. 
So, and maybe Dovoria is not very so nice. Well, I was going to say, so to answer your question, when I, how I feel when I'm like, my warrior power is a very strong, grounded, calm, like I'm acting in my highest self. When I was still in that basement, I wasn't there yet. I was very unsure. I was very scared. Mm. I was very like, oh my gosh, am I doing the right thing? Every, you know, all my training has told me Susie doesn't know what's right. Now Susie's launching this, you know, Susie's jumping off a cliff without a parachute. And how do we know? But it was as, you know, each time just taking the next right step, the next yeah. right step, the next right step. And, and around that time, okay. I figured out, I discovered my coach who is a cognitive based a causal coach she works you know and and introduced me to the fact that yeah. our thoughts create our feelings not our circumstances creating mm. our feelings and that in addition to mindfulness and meditation mm. um is really what then saw me through and is why i do what i do now so that i can help women sort of feel the feel the hard feelings feel them not shove them down with alcohol mm. not shove them down with i was an exactly. over exerciser i was a a restrictive eater, you know, all, like I was trying to use all the tools so I didn't have to feel my feelings. I help uh -huh. people feel uh -huh. their feelings yeah. while also oh. taking responsibility for their life, like the, the thoughts that they're thinking are creating mm. their feelings. Mm. And mm. That's and that's beautiful. Point. So that is what you describe as the warrior. And uh, mm -hmm. I, uh, that's beautiful, beautiful to say. Um, obviously, in in my mind, the warrior has a different yeah. role. Yours it's going to be different for, for me. Everyone. No, no, absolutely. No, in, it, mm -hmm. it's interesting because I, essentially I do exactly the same thing uh, in order or I have done the same thing. Nowadays, I say it. I want to dream who I am and oh, sorry, who I want to be. And then I want to change the dream into a very clear vision. So I want to mm -hmm. go very in, in minute details. Who is this person that I want to become? And then mm -hmm. from that dream becomes the vision. And then the vision by taking action, by taking mm -hmm. tiny little steps into that direction, it becomes a mission. And that is what this mm -hmm. path is, what you describe. You describe the yeah. path of taking action, knowing mm -hmm. that you're in a place that you don't want to be that mm -hmm. you need to taste the desperation you need to taste the depression don't don't numb it but actually feel mm -hmm. it and say okay enough of that and feel it to motivate you forward absolutely. and then also yeah there's a lot of that i didn't know like in terms of my vision then i didn't know really what it would look like i didn't have any you know relationships i was going to i, I just yeah. knew not this yeah. and then i needed to, to take that next step it's like in the action and not going back to yeah. how, you know, everything that was modeled to me, but that nowadays I do, I, I, as exactly as you're saying, I try to close my eyes and visualize what I'm going to be like that next best self. And mm. what would that woman be doing? And then taking action, still scary. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> towards that. <laughs> scary doesn't go away. Shit yeah. <laughs> Shit <laughs> Just expect it. Right. <laughs> it's yeah. beautiful. It's beautiful and and obviously the, the self-doubt will never go away i mean your your story changed in uh what about 10 15 years ago mm -hmm. was that sort of the the time frame mm -hmm. so you had now you've been on this path of self-improvement and of working mm -hmm. on your self-love on your self-appreciation for mm -hmm. 10 15 years do you still from now and then get these voices coming up do you still from now and then hear the, oh, you're not good enough. What do you, what do you, mm -hmm. what, you're coming onto this show. How the mm -hmm. hell, who are you to say something on this show? 
Do you get this imposter syndrome? I mean, yeah. And I am much better at being sort of this kind watcher of myself and understanding, first of all, you know, any messages I got from my parents at a young age were deeply embedded into my neural pathways. So Mm. I, that's the work that I do. And I understand the human brain and I'm much better at saying, oh, okay, nice that you're thinking that. And we're not going to listen. I just did a podcast on sort of (laughs) the the three critics that come in and steal your Uh dreams. And one is that, you know, the the openly critical person who's like, you can't do that. Like we know them and it's like, just go away. The second one is that well-meaning one. Like, oh, I'm only telling you this because I love you. I mean, that was like my parents. It's like, no, no, not helpful. But the third is our brain and it's inside our own head. And I'm not sure that's ever going to go away. I think I get better at spotting it and shortening the time that I listen to it. But it's like each new level, it just speaks up like one for me because of the messaging from my dad is, you know, women aren't as good as men, women aren't good businesswomen, women don't. And so it comes up, it doesn't come up for me as much in personal relationships anymore, but it'll come up in business where, you know, maybe I'm looking to hire someone and then I get this love with, you can't do that. Women aren't good at business. And I'm like, thank you, brain. <laughs> I'm, I'm better at recognizing, but I, I do think, you know, I expect that voice to be there really for my whole life. Just mm. I'm hoping to recognize it sooner. And that, that voice is just doing what our primal brains are meant to do. They're meant to mm. keep us safe, stay here. You know, they're not meant, they, like our brain is not set up to make us happy. It is here to keep us alive. Correct. It doesn't matter if it doesn't care if we're miserable and alive. And so how it knows to do that is it just keeps repeating the same thing. It's like, let's repeat what we've done, conserve energy, uh, you know, do what you did yesterday. That's all good. Right. Even if that means you were crying and drinking beer, you know, Correct. <laughs> this Correct. is when we push to a new level, our brain is going to throw up all this chatter, I call them turd thoughts, like just sort of like, and I'm just like, just if someone handed you a turd, you wouldn't be like, oh, thank you. Okay. Yeah. No, you'd be like, throw that thing away. Yeah, like, exactly. I'm not listening I like to you. it. Oh, I like it. I like it a lot. And you're yeah. so right, isn't it? But it is, mm. and I love it. I love it. Here you are. I mean, strictly spoken, you're a bit ahead of me uh, on your path just by time, um, mm. because there you are, already have worked on you for the 10, 15 years. I'm I basically am coming up to 10 years um, mm. of hard slog. And I love it that you say, no, this is an ongoing journey. This is an ongoing. I don't think, yeah, I think setting the expectation that we're going to reach this point where we're all, where yep. we're all like rainbows and daisies. Yep. This is great. Yep. You know, then I would have to ask if, if you're pushing yourself enough, yep. like, are you, you know, we're either growing or shrinking. So if you're just, ah. you know, oh, this is, you know, and if, yep. if you're not, if you're just like, no, I'm good. No, uh, you're here. It's like, well, maybe good. you're a little complacent. Like that's what we're here to do is my belief. Oh, I like it. I yeah. like it. I like it. I re- I phrase it multi different. I say either you work on your recovery or you work on your uh, relapse. And that is in, mm. the, in the phrasing of addiction. Mm-hmm. The same, however, is also recovery and mental uh, illness when it comes to depression, mm-hmm. anxiety. Mm-hmm. There's so many things that we can do and that we must do in order mm-hmm. to keep ourselves sane, happy, and growing, as you say, expanding and 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 mm-hmm. becoming that that new improved version of yourself. And the moment you you get too focused on the hamster wheel and you're just running and running, 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 and don't do the self-love and the self-care, you are mm-hmm. so doomed. And it is just 
And it doesn't yeah. take long, isn't it? It doesn't take long mm. to sort of oh, I know. Which, lose you. Right. Can get frustrating. <laughs> but it's it's also, it's again, this is where our like power and it comes from our thoughts. I have anxiety and I, I am just sort of aware that it's there. And I, mm. I'm not like, God, why is this here? You know, I'm not fighting Good. it. Uh, There's a lot to be said with acceptance. And so it's just this like, okay, with anxiety, <laughs> I know you know, beer's not great for me or, you know, alcohol isn't good for me. I also know that one of the best things I can do for anxiety is get up and start moving right away. Another thing I can do is to focus on my, and it's, it's not like bringing in this victim mindset. Like, like the more I think I have anxiety, I have, then the more anxious I feel. And it's more like, okay, like I'll sort of say like anxiety is present today. You know, like I might say that to my husband who I'm now married to the most wonderful man, but I'll say like anxiety is present today. Just as like, you know, fatigue is present, you know, and the more I focus on it, the more and it's it, so then instead of being like, oh, my God, I'm I'm tired, I'm tired. And then I'm feeling tired or I'm nervous, I'm nervous, I'm anxious, I'm anxious. It's more this anxiety is present. And then my next, you know, I get to choose the thought I want to think about that. Wow, I'm going to take extra good care of myself today. Or I'm going to make sure that I eat protein because I need to feed my brain. I know exactly. when I'm not feeding my brain, my brain goes to anxiety and it, it's it's the thought about it but then i feel more in control which then luckily helps anxiety the sobriety and in there i i've got the chapter exactly on anxiety and and um, uh, on the influence of alcohol on it and i call it yeah. anxiety uh on the next mm. day because you were anxious and you're drinking and now everything is all right now the next morning guess what the anxiety is still there and now yeah. you've got a hangover so hangover anxiety and it is just oh, brutal. That's so good. Uh, yeah. Oh, I lived that life. I know it so mm -hmm. well. Yeah. And like you, I've got anxiety because it is mm -hmm. just, um, yeah, it is just probably a degree of PTSD that still lurks mm -hmm. around from previous trauma. Plus, uh, just yeah, there is. I think I'm a, I'm a bit of an anxious person um, mm -hmm. in its own right at times. Um, so there are days when I maybe not look so well after myself, and I loved what you said about the eating, mm -hmm. the, if mm -hmm. I'm hungry, angry, mm -hmm. lonely, tired, the mm -hmm. hold works for me all the time. Give me three of them and I don't feel well. Give me four of them. Well, mm -hmm. in the past, I would have seen the, 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 the condensation running down the mm -hmm. Chardonnay glass and I, I could mm -hmm. taste the Chardonnay on my lips, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, nowadays, nah. The hungry angle. So let's rephrase that. Nowadays, I still get anxiety, but mm -hmm. I now recognize it as a messenger of me not having paid attention to my own needs. Yeah. So therefore, yeah, I so I like to sort of accept it. Like, okay, I have anxiety. I am a you know mm -hmm. a, a woman, or I'm a, I have ears, or I have like to not make drama <laughs> around it, or to not make it mean something about me. Like I yeah. didn't do something right, or I haven't processed my trauma Perfect. enough. It's like. Right. I have anxieties. So what am I going to do to care about myself? Like I'm a woman. What do I do to care for? Myself? I make sure that I get sleep. I make sure that Excellent. I get, and it's, it's these things, you know, it's like we do the best we can on most days. Oh, with that beautiful. forgiveness of like, yeah. I am who I am. Oh, Susie, that's perfect. That's uh, mm. what a beautiful thing, but you know, this would have not been your regular thought pattern in the unfinished basement. Um, yeah. Then you're truly in survival then you're truly you're not even realizing what's going on and but you needed that starting point that low in your life to now actually start crawling back 
and strengthening yourself one little tiny bit at a time. And that is what got you there now. Listen to you now. It's beautiful. And I see, I, I feel the strength coming through the bloody, mm. the, the energy comes through my screen here. It's gorgeous. <laughs> but that is so different from the person that you have been. But that mm -hmm. is the beautiful thing. That is the growth. That that's you, what happens in life. Yeah, that's right. That is when you let it. And mm -hmm. you get yeah. a privilege. You've got a, uh, mm -hmm. you get the privilege to change. You just need to actually take the steps. And one of the steps is to admit that enough is enough. Mm -hmm. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. Um, yeah. I think that would be a really good thing to actually mm -hmm. start with. Oh my. Well, and I hear from a lot of people that sounds so hard. That sounds so hard. That sounds so hard. And yeah. yet sort of the paradox of life is that we you know, instead of doing the hard, like, okay, you yeah. know, I have the urge right now for wine and it sounds hard to, to not have the wine, to resist the urge, to wait yeah. until tomorrow. But when we, you know, so then we do the easy, which actually, so we have the wine, but that makes our life harder. And right. yet in doing the hard in right then, you know, choosing, you know what, I'm going to do my breathing exercise. I'm going to go journal. I'm going to, you know, listen to one of your shows, or I'm not going to have the wine. I'm going to do the hard. It makes our life easier. And it is this, paradox of like doing the hard work like I could still be in that marriage I could yeah. still I could have just shut it down I could still have all my money I could still have and I my life would have been crazy I don't know what would have happened physically to me my boys would have been in a completely different place mm. I I can't um, you know and yet like at the time that would have seemed easier to many mm. like just don't rock the boat Susie like sure. let's just come on it's a good enough marriage you have a good enough life who are you to ask mm. for more are a lot of the things I heard. And it would have been easy to just sort of bow down and and numb it with alcohol until I don't know what I don't I do not know where I would be at this point. But I'm thankful well, that I'm not. <laughs> and that's uh, absolutely. And, and that is the problem because so many women fall into that trap where then the mummy vine culture um, is yeah. is coming in. Uh, and it's insidious because yeah, it is it is numbing. That is what it does. Mm -hmm. And it is often there for many, many years. When, when I went into rehab, um, I was at the time end, end of 40s. Um, there were uh, there was a lady who was there, 65, and she had basically just left her husband. Uh, and it was, mm. you know, it, it, there you are. You're talking 40 years in a marriage. I mean, mm -hmm. did she, you know, was that really necessary? Did she really have to to grow herself mm -hmm. towards two, three, four bottles of wine a day before mm. enough was enough? And that is mm -hmm. the I'm so pleased for you that you ended. But up. I, yeah, and I'm always like, yes, she did. I always say you can't argue with the past. It happened exactly True. how it was meant to happen. Yep. Okay. <laughs> so nope. it's like apparently she needed four, but and it's like thank God that she didn't spend fifty years there or sixty. I say like okay. any day. I like to make decisions. Yeah, it's like. Any days in it, would you choose this man again? Okay, then mm. no, let's do something else. Love it. You know, let's love not it. stay stuck in these patterns just because. I absolutely love <laughs> that because that's my core, my core mantra. The past does not equal the future. That is my core inner belief. That is what yes. drives me. Uh, whatever has happened in the past happened there. It happened for a reason. Sometimes, well, oftentimes, I'm not very proud of what happened in the past. Um, then again, right now, it gives me the insight, the power, the the, the privilege to transform again, mm -hmm. to change again. 
Yeah. Okay. So well, and I and that view, what that does is it removes the shame. And we yeah. know from addiction that shame loves secrecy and this like beating ourselves up for what we've done is not, it doesn't serve anybody. Mm. It's more mm. this like, oh, you know, I can have regret for what mm. I've done. And yet to feel guilt or shame for what I did is not helpful. It doesn't move mm. me forward to mm. say like, yeah, if I were to do that differently, I'd do it differently. Unfortunately, mm. I'm not 22 anymore. So here we go. <laughs> how am I going to like, how do I want to show up today? Correct. And how do I want to show up tomorrow? Correct. And how do I want to show up next year? And, and that's what we have control over. That sort of future place. So I love uh, it. And I want to extend that equally. You, you were focusing on the addiction with that, about the shame. There are just as many people who are angry about their anxiety, who are angry mm. about that they go through a dark period that they have got mm. about of depression yeah. and get really angry and, and shameful oh. and guilty about it. And no, no, the, the, no, the evil twins of shame and guilt. Hugs. I'm That's like, right. you're human. It's okay not to be okay. It's okay mm-hmm. not to be okay. Say yeah. that again. So that's it. And mm-hmm. it's we we still live in a society where that is not normal. You mm-hmm. are still there are still taboos left, right, and center uh, about these kind of things. You're not allowed to be anything else than picture perfect. And it mm-hmm. bloody pisses me off. Um mm-hmm. it is maybe getting a little bit signs here and there that things are changing there are uh, employer assistance uh programs around mm-hmm. um well people like your show and your book like the more people that speak up you correct. can't do that if you're stuck in shame and so True. the more people that are speaking up and that are, are speaking out and, and i you know i speak mm-hmm. of a midlife awakening it's not a midlife crisis and i speak of how divorce has been so mm-hmm. magical for my family instead of this shame of divorce and i yeah. ruined a family i'm like i'm not buying into that bullshit like my family is so much better including my ex-husband who mm-hmm. now is in a new relationship like at the time sure drama <laughs> now it's like look at all of us mm-hmm. our lives are better so it's beautiful. you know not buying into this drama and and getting into what it takes today to move mm. forward to tomorrow in a kind and compassionate place mm. especially to yourself the kind and compassionate yes that's because- that's when people are feeling shame or guilt i just it i i know when i was alone i would give myself hugs myself oh. and just like oh it's okay susie just sort mm. of those like words of nurturing to ourselves Mm. of like, what do we want? What would we like to hear from someone Mm. else of that forgiveness and that, you know, kindness? You're a better woman than I was a man because I was beating myself up for a long time. Oh, I beat myself up too. (laughs) 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 Yeah, don't get me wrong. It's we do it all. We're human. It's like, yeah. Yeah. Beating my that's I mean, that's I that's I think in our nature that we're just like you, but that that's that voice in our head where when we can catch it and be like, why are you talking so mean to me? Uh, true, 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 nice. true, Let's true, see. true, true, true. But that is yeah. that is something that I'm still, uh, I've got still, uh, even after eight, 10 years on my new journey, mm-hmm. I still have got, I think, the training wheels on my bike. <laughs> so, it, it takes yeah. training, it takes practice. I'm, I actually Absolutely. run a, a membership, I call it my mm-hmm. midlife warriors. Yeah. And we have a membership. And right now for the month of February, because Valentine's Day is a big deal in yeah. um, America. And that's when we're recording this. But we do a whole month of loving on ourselves and I'm trying to get it. So they're reprogramming their brain and praise. We're more comfortable with praise than negativity. 
So Beautiful. every day writing down something that they appreciate about their body, something that they appreciate about themselves, their strengths uh, and their, because this is, this is the kind of language that, you know, maybe we weren't given or, um, and, and, and why not start some new neural pathways that way? That is what I have found. I also found a couple of years ago, I just drew a line in the sand with myself in terms of negative, you know, I don't know what kind of negative talk you have coming up, but I had a lot of negative body talk because my dad was always telling me, you know, women needed certain kind of bodies. And I just was like, stop it. I'm not buying into that anymore. Like, okay, maybe, you know, under my arm is flabby. Well, that's what my arm looks like. And I love my friggin' arm or like wrinkles or any, I just was like, I'm not having that negative voice in my head anymore. And so when I hear her, I'm just like, not, I didn't ask for your opinion. Thank you. And that takes some, just that line in the sand, but it's also, you know, I'm sort of like, Oh, hell no. That's where my warrior shows up. She's like, none of that here. We're speaking positively. And yeah, I like that. Mm -hmm. I like that. Um, And that's again, that's the core beliefs. And that's, that's where you have grown strong in your ability to recognize it and deal with it. I have not yet got the strength there, but I've got people around me, uh, mm-hmm. life coaches and other people who are actually saying, Stefan, no, don't say it that way. The, the don't, yeah. you should never say the don't, uh, mm-hmm. because little kids, for example, do not do that. Don't do that. They don't hear the, the don't. Mm-mm. They right. hear what they, you know, so it, it, rephrase it rephrase things yeah, in a well, positive this is way. Also, this is also where it helps me realize there's no point where we won't have that voice. That's the way our brain is designed. Yeah. And so it's not this like perfectionist thought that like, I'm never going to be critical of myself again. Yeah. It's more this acceptance like, oh, there she is. And I'm not listening to you. Thank you. Goodbye. You know, like, thank you. And no, yeah. I, I'm not like behind that. I still have this voice coming out. There's not something wrong with me. It's this like, I'm exactly, I'm in a human brain my brain is doing what it's meant to be. I get to, I'm a homo sapien sapien. I get to think about what I think about. So I get to choose. Do I want to think that turd thought or do I want to swipe? I don't. So <laughs> goodbye. Love it. That's where my power lies. Love it. And that's a yeah. superpower. You actually mm-hmm. see, see everyone out there listening Wait. and watching. <laughs> see, here you go. You don't need to be bitten by a spider or you don't need Mm-mm. to be uh, bathing in a, in a vat of uh, some radioactive material to become a superwoman. Now mm-hmm. here, Susie, superwoman <laughs> has just gained uh, an ability that is foreign to, I would say what? 95, 97% of the I mean, population. it was foreign to me until midlife when I was like, oh, the things that my brain is telling me are just like, they're optional. They're thoughts. They're sentences in my head. I get to choose whether I attach to them or not. And that's that's the sort of cognitive coaching that I'm doing. And I, yeah. I actually have to go. I think we have a time yeah so I, i'm sorry about that i do apologize then stop 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 what we'll do is we'll wrap yeah. it up in a quick way mm-hmm. uh do you have three minutes yes good okay uh right so five seconds that we know where i cut Susie, i mean you're an amazing woman uh if if you if what you have told us if that gels with other people uh tell me where can they find you Oh, I would love to have you all head over to my Love Your Life show podcast. It is where I put every single week, I pour my heart out to you with tools to help you live a life that you 
love. It is free because when I was in the basement, I did not have the money to spend out there. And it is a wonderful stepping stone from pe for people there. If they're ready to dive in, they can join my membership if they identify as a woman and they're over 40. <laughs> That's at smbwell.com slash membership. And my podcast is wherever podcasts can be found, the Love Your Life show, or just I, I'm hoping that if you search Susie Pettit, P-E-T-T-I-T, -T -T, it'll come up. But I, I'm, I just send so much love out to your listeners, anyone who's on the sobriety journey, anyone who's on this journey of life trying to be their best self and to, to stand in their strength of their warrior. You're not alone. We've got you. You're not behind. You're exactly where you're meant to be. And I send big love to everyone. Brilliant, guys. And look down there into the description of the show. It is all there. And whilst you're there, press the like and the subscribe button and tell your friends about all these amazing people who are on my show. Susie is one of them. Susie, you're gorgeous. Thank you for your strength. Thank you for making this world a little bit of a better place uh, with your Thank show, you too, with, with each intervention. And mm -hmm. look after yourself. And you guys out there, stay strong. I believe in you. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Oh, fuck. <laughs>